Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911, two man car, two retired Los Angeles cops. Uh, lovers of Christ, faithful sons of Holy Mother Church, devotees of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Eddie, it's good to be back. How are you, brother? It's good to have you back. Uh, I know you were on the edges for a little while there. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, I was in uh, the, the holiest place on planet Earth, but these days it's not too holy, Eddie. Uh, and we just got to continue. On Saturday, by the way, there was kind of a, uh, a nationwide, I think it was worldwide, uh, rosary crusade. I mean, there was... I think hundreds and hundreds of Catholics around the country praying the rosary in public. And I know you guys at St. Didicus, you guys had a a group also doing the rosary. We out here in Queen Creek and all over the Phoenix Valley, there is rosary groups all over the place on Saturday. So that that's our response, Eddie, to jihad. We, 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 we take our weapons, the rosary, we go out in public and we, we take up space for Jesus. That's a, a Catholic Christian response to what's going on in the, in the Middle East, that's for sure. Yes. You know, Eddie, today's gospel, it's kind of interesting. Just Luke chapter 11, the first uh, couple of sentences, it says, While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given to it. And at the very end, it says, uh, and at the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it because at the preaching of Jonah, they repented and there is something greater than, than Jonah here. Today's gospel is talking about the wickedness of, of, of people and countries. And right now, we have some very wicked people in leadership all over the world. And so as I read today's gospel, I'm saying, wow, this describes this president and this prime minister and this uh, leader and this, et cetera, et cetera. But today's also the feast of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. Pray for us. She's the one that gave us the uh, devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Eddie? Yeah, Jess, it's, uh, it's a powerful weekend, that's for sure, because there was, like you said, a lot of rosaries going on. And yeah. uh, that's, uh, you know, that, that's what we're all about. So that's uh, something that we have to participate in and yeah. uh, be a part of. Yeah. That was, there was a lot of Catholic prayer power from around the world. I don't know if you saw <clears throat> that over in New York, they gathered 5,000 Catholics in the street. With the, it's all over YouTube with uh, Father Mike Schmidt with the Blessed Sacrament. They walked down New York, the busy New York streets, 5,000 Catholics orderly with, you know, canopy, Blessed Sacrament, our Lord, uh, altar boys, a bunch of priests, uh, a lot of people praying and singing. That's the way we as Catholics take up space in the public. We don't go out there with, uh, you know, with, with uh, you know, uh, rockets and, and bazookas and, and, and grenades. We go out there and we take up space for Jesus, uh, you know, uh, being a witness to faith, hope, and love. You know, Jess, that was a very, uh, that's a very sincere prayer. I hope everybody uh, was able to make sincere prayers, but it's also very good optics for the church. I mean, we're seeing the altar, oh, yeah. we're seeing the procession. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. All, all the way around, it was beautiful. Yeah. Eddie, just want to mention before we get into our Liber Cristo uh, theology, Liber, Liber, I want to mention about a, a great bishop in Kansas, Archbishop Nauman. 
Uh, he's called abort. He says abortion is child sacrifice for our modern hedonistic culture. I like when cardinals and bishops and archbishops, when they speak with moral clarity, because that's what we need. We need more of that, not less of that. Yeah, Jeff, it, this guy is a, is a bishop's bishop. He's yeah. telling it the way it should be told. And God bless him, Just We have to, we have to uh, 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 you know, foster these uh, bishops that are telling us exactly what we know we need to know. Yeah, I mean, this is, look, look at what he says here in the first, uh, the first paragraph. He says, legal abortion, I mean, this says it all right here. Legal abortion represents the return of the barbaric practice of human child sacrifice to America's hedonistic culture. Uh, said Archbishop Joseph Nauman of the Diocese of Kansas. Uh, th- th- this uh, this is the type of moral clarity that we need more and more of. He says, he says, uh, Nauman begins by recounting the Genesis story of God's angel stopping Abraham from killing his child, a seminal lesson in moving ancient civilization away from the human sacrifices so prevalent in pagan fertility cults, making clear that the one true God does not desire human sacrifice, but abhors it. And he writes, in God's eyes, the embryo in the womb has the same dignity as the elite athlete. The elderly person with dementia is no less valuable than the Rhodes Scholar. The child with Down syndrome has no less worth than a child prodigy. He writes, each and every human life is sacred, not because of what we can do or produce, but because we are a child of God. And I'll tell you, Eddie, of all the religions of the world, it's the Catholic faith, especially ever since Roe versus Wade. We have been front and center on this issue, speaking out against it, praying in front of abortion clinics, uh, you know, doing 40 days for life, going out to Washington, going out to San Francisco and doing the annual walk for life. Uh, even Protestants admit they admit that if it wasn't for Catholics, uh, this thing would not have been nixed at the Supreme Court level. Because remember, of the nine Supreme Court justices, uh, six of them that nixed it, out, out of the six that voted against Roe versus Wade, five were Catholic, and one was an Episcopalian. So it was really, again, uh, in, in no small part to Catholics that Roe versus Wade was was removed at least uh, from 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 federal authorities. Yeah, Jess. You know the one beautiful thing about this is is the catechesis comes out in that, right? So. Why is the athlete, uh, you know, uh, and, and Down syndrome baby have the same dignity? Because God has infused a human soul that will last forever now in that child of God. That's what people don't understand. That's what the youth is not aware of, Jess. Because once they understand and accept that, that's beautiful catechesis. That's exactly what we need. That's right. And, and Eddie, there's been uh, uh, this this statement made by Archbishop Nowen about Legal abortion it represents the return of the barbaric practice of human child sacrifice. Uh, there's been other bishops that have said something like this, and uh, and I, and you know I want to give them props as well. I mean, uh, I know Archbishop Corleone has has said the same thing. He said that uh, abortion is basically human sacri- child human sacrifice. Uh, there's uh, what a, I think Bishop Athanasius Snyder said the same thing as well. And so, yeah, more and more bishops are, are not only saying abortion, it's wrong, Eddie, but they're saying it's barbaric. They're calling it child sacrifice. They're calling it satanic. And I'm glad to see that because as Catholics, we don't need, we don't need a magisterium of ambiguity. We need a magisterium of clarity. 
Uh, Catholics need to be told things black and white. Don't let don't don't let, let allow lay Catholics to kind of like you know mull it over and think about it and come to their own decision. No, the our bishops and the Pope and the cardinals they need to be the 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 apostles of today and speak with the same type of clarity that St. Paul and St. Peter spoke of in the New Testament. Yeah, Jess, you know, this is this is another thing we should think about here because um, this bishop, along with all the other bishops that have mentioned this, are really, um, are really opposing the enemy because what are we talking about with child sacrifice? We're talking about some of the, the, the demonic uh, beings, uh, uh, you know, uh, Satan's generals. These, oh, yeah. these, these things that we're we're fighting in our ministry, Jess, of uh, of deliverance ministry, of, of exorcism ministry, this is what's happening. They're speaking out against us. This is the enemy's position. We know that because people are being afflicted by the demons of hell. Uh, these uh, ones, um, you know, Baal, uh, go to the foot of the cross. Baphomet, go to the foot of the cross. Beelzebub, go to the foot of the cross. Leviathan, these are demons that we're dealing with every day in this ministry, Jess. And that's why we know these bishops are doing what they're supposed to do. God bless them. Yeah. In fact, I'll give credit to the bishops that I, that I know that have spoken out thunderously against abortion as being satanic. Archbishop Vigano, he's one. He says, he says, um, abortion is a human sacrifice of, inif- of innocent victims offered to Satan. Um, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, uh, he says that abortion is a satanic act. Uh, Archbishop Corleone, uh, he called on ca- Catholics to pray for, he says, uh, abortion is nothing short of child sacrifice. Uh, Sister Mary Deidre, you remember her? She's she's the one that spoke at the, uh, yeah, at, at at Trump's one of Trump's uh, uh, the GOP, rally. I think it was GOP rally, wasn't it? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, here's what she I got. She says this, Sister Sister Mary Deidre. Uh, by the way, she's a retired Army Colonel, <laughs> medical <laughs> doc, a, a medical doctor, and a Catholic nun. She said. The destruction of human life in the mother's womb is, sat- is Satan's battleground. It is Satan's ground zero, which opens the door to other evils like a rippling effect of a stone on a very still lake. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, Archbishop Nauman joins the ranks of a lot of these other bishops uh, and this nun that have, that have clearly spoken out. Well, we already know, Eddie, and one of the things... If anybody's involved in, in the in, in the ministry of healing and deliverance and exorcism, you'll find that a lot of people that are diabolically afflicted uh, became diabolically afflicted. There's there's two ways that are very common. <clears throat> They've had many abortions, or they just have opened up opened up a door uh, and a life of sexual perversion. Uh, and and those are hard cases. Those cases could last a long long time grinding it out. And the person has to really cooperate totally with the prayers, with the discipline, with the sacramental life, or there will be no liberation. There will be no liberation without the person entering into the battle 100% on their own. Yes, you know, the, the, there's actually a beauty, there's a silver lining to this, is that when somebody's in a, in a Hold sacramental... that thought, brother. Hold that okay. thought. Pick Very it up good. on the next side. Jesus 911, we'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. By the way, the flagship verse for this for this radio show is Psalm 69, verse 2. It goes like this. Uh, uh, God, uh, let me just pick that up right here. Psalm 69, verse 2. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Psalm 69, verse 2. That's the flagship verse for Jesus 911. Eddie, you were making some comments about the good Bishop Newman and some of the bishops that are making these very powerful statements. That's one of the things I wanted to mention to people, so, because it's so very important when this happens, is that uh, they're, they're addressing the things that are happening in today's society. So in this uh, ministry of healing, exorcism, and deliverance, um, the time where we attract uh, the attention of those demons are, are when we are in a, uh, in a, in sexual intimacy and, and, and we're not in a sacramental marriage because just when we are in a sacramental marriage and we're, we're, uh, uh, in sexual intimacy, we're being like God wants us to be. We're being co-creators in that, uh, in that moment. So that's when the devil hates us the most. And so when you're not doing that, when you're, when you're, Messing with 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 intimacy when you're having a a a, a, a sancha in, in in Hispanic terms mm-hmm. when you're having somebody that you shouldn't be with you know what that's when the devil's attracted to what's happening in our lives so um, it's very easy to avoid this Jeff but like we know already a lot of these people have lives that are not uh, not in order and they have to get it ordered in order to avoid uh, the demons. There you go. You just you said it perfectly. It's there's a passage in the book of Leviticus. It says um, we have to discern the clean from the unclean. It's in, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up the I'll, I'll grab the passage. We have to discern the clean from the unclean. Eddie, the problem is, is a lot of you know, even Catholics. Forget about just the secular people in society. A lot of Catholics have don't know any longer what's clean from unclean. You yeah. know, they'll say, "Hey, I want to gin up my marriage. I'm going to watch pornography with my wife." Hey, I'm going to. Uh, gin up my relationship and we're going to have a threesome and a lot of catholics because they don't they don't listen to the teachings of the church hey you know what my wife doesn't satisfy me so i'm going to play with myself in front of my computer a lot of catholics fall into unclean sexual practices and as a result of that demons are called unclean spirits 21 times in the new testament it's very simple unclean spirits are attracted to unclean people it's basic math and biology. Like attracts like. Eddie, let me mention something before we go into get into the liberal crystal theology. I just want to mention that the uh, Holy Land Bishop, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, his name's Cardinal Pizabaya, and the other bishops of the Holy Land are calling for a worldwide day of fasting, prayer, and abstinence tomorrow, October 17th. So the bishops and the cardinal from Jerusalem, the Latin patriarch, they're ca- and also the U.S. bishops have jumped in as well. J- the U.S. bishops have jumped on board. They're calling for an international Catholic day of prayer and fasting tomorrow, October 17th. So make sure tomorrow you act like if it's uh, you know Friday from Lent and make sure that you fast tomorrow for uh, in, in reparation for the offenses against God, especially this war. 
and make sure again uh, you go meatless as well. Just you know, offer some penance tomorrow so that God will provide us the graces necessary to bring peace to that land, the Holy Land, and uh, and also uh, the it, the bishop also said. He said, let us organize prayer times tomorrow, October 17th, with Eucharistic adoration, with the recitation of our Blessed Virgin, of the Rosary to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And, uh, and so that's what he's asking us to do tomorrow. If people could go do a holy hour tomorrow, if people can pray the Rosary uh, so that God can bring, bring peace upon the land once again. And before also we go into today's uh, Liber Crystal theology, I'm reading here from the Hamas Charter. The Hamas Charter was written in 1988. In case somebody hasn't read the Hamas Charter, it says this. Here's the preamble, quote. Um, we the people, talking about Hamas, uh, it says, Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate Israel just as Islam has obliterated others before it. The Hamas Charter says in, in section uh, 8, it says this, Allah is, its res- Allah is its target. The Prophet is its model. The Quran is its constitution. <clears throat> it says, um, Jihad is its path, and death for the sake of Allah is the loftiest of its wishes. Close quote. So, uh, Eddie, when you read the Hamas Charter, to me, there is no... There's no solution, according to them, the Palestinian uh, Islamic Hamas group, there's no solution for them except through what they call holy war and, uh, and, and killing all the Is- Israelis. That's, that's their solution according to their charter, not according to Jess Romero's opinion. So, yeah, Jess, that's that. something that we got to take to some of these universities that are uh, protesting uh, Israel. That's what we need to do is let them know that's, that's according to Hamas themselves. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, look up uh, any Israeli constitution or charter. You're not going to find that type of language. So, uh, yeah, Eddie, let's uh, <clears throat> let's j- jump right back onto Liber Crystal, the theology. Liber Crystal means liberation through Christ. Uh, <clears throat> this is an institute. It was started by Father Chad Ripperger, Kyle Clement. Uh, they they're the ones also. They're also the founding members of the uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth Institute over in uh, Mundelein Seminary. And they uh, they kind of moved away from there. Uh, it was getting a little bit too charismatic or charismaniac over there, and so they moved to Denver, Colorado, and they've uh, started their own institute. And it's really taking the Catholic world of healing and deliverance by storm because people are saying, "Wow, these guys teach Catholic principles on how to do healing and deliverance properly." You just don't go, you know, to you know to the to the uh, designated lay healer. Uh, you know, uh, Miss Lena, who on Wednesday nights uh, has, uh, you know, uh, you, you, she goes and prays over people at her house in her basement with with all kinds of other, you know, ladies that work in the parish and they drive out demons every Wednesday. So just go to Miss Lena every Wednesday and absolutely that's the silver bullet that you need. No, Father Ripperger takes this really serious. He goes deep into healing the human soul and it starts by taking the person into a deep penitential, sacramental, prayerful, disciplined, monastic life. 
And that's the only way to, this is, this is old school to Catholicism. And this is why a lot of people push back against this program because people want that silver bullet. People want white magic. They want to go, you know, to Mr. You know, Mr. Ken's house and they want Mr. Ken uh, to lay hands on them and, uh, and take the demons away, you know, uh, get rid of these demons so I can continue living my life of unbelief, my life of faithlessness, my life of lukewarm Catholicism. But take the pain away, Mr. Ken, please take the pain away. No, it's not. That's not the way it works. It's like somebody saying, I want to get ready for the marathon in Los Angeles, but I'm not going to train. I'll let, uh, I don't know, I'll let my uh, next door neighbor train for me. I'll, uh, I'll pay him to train and, uh, and then I'll go run the race in a year from now. You know, it doesn't work that way. Right, Eddie. You know, just it's, it's it's yeah, it's all it's all this feel good, easy kind of thing that this culture has right now. Just it's got to be easy, and it doesn't work that way. Once the demons are present in somebody's life, it's uh, hard work, and they got to put the work in, as we say. Yeah, it's like I like the way Dan Schneider he says it. Once the demons are invited in, he says to get them out. He goes, it's spade work. <laughs> Eddie, hey, you've pulled weeds before, right? <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you're like you're just in the backyard, the front yard, and it's tedious. And you're like one weed with the spade, take off the dirt from the roots. Next weed, yeah, that that that's like the perfect description. It's yep. to get rid of them. It's spade work. Absolutely. So we left that's off. Uh, we left off on page twenty-eight, Eddie, where it talks about redemptive suffering, the envy of the angels. And I'll be honest with you, this is the area right here where a lot of Pentecostal Protestants and even Charismatic Catholics, here's where they have a blind spot to. And the blindness is in this, Eddie, is that a lot of people, they're saying, I want to live a life that's pain-free. Well, just ask Eddie and me if, if we're living a, a pain-free life. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. And I understand that as my body's falling apart, um, I understand that God is calling me. If there's a higher calling place because... The buck stops with me. My dad is dead. My grandparents are dead. Anita's parents are dead. The buck stops with me. I'm the patriarch. And so God has called me through physical suffering uh, to make it redemptive for my children, for my grandchildren. And you know what? I'm good with that. But this is something that's it's a blind spot with Protestants. And it's, it's even a blind spot, Eddie, with a lot of Catholic charismatics that always believe that God heals everybody 100% of the time. That's just not true. Yep. And all we have to do is look at the saints, just some of the saints suffer tremendously for their faith, for others, for, 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 for God himself. So yeah, the, the saints proved to us, I'm talking about the incorruptible saints, just the ones that we have uh, pulled out of the, their, their, their tombs uh, 1500 years later. And you could tell they suffered and uh, you know what? God blessed them for it. That's for sure. Absolutely. They, they, they merited untold graces upon the body of Christ as a result of that. So on page 28, it says, Trauma then must be, must be bought into the objective through the use of reason and volition. Only in the Christian economy, the incarnation, suffering, death, and resurrection of God, does suffering have redemptive value. Many traumas remain only subjectively appropriated and never integrated into the objective reality of the cross. Meaning that one subjective response must be affixed to that object, to that object reality. Thus, we distinguish between trauma and violence because many wounds are the result of self-induced trauma. This is to say, violence is objective and trauma is subjective. 
having to do with the way one reacts to it or what one, or what one perceives as an offense trauma is the psychological response to an event that may or may not have been violent this means that one can have either a holy or an unholy response to traumatic events as Kyle Clement notes who's Father Ripperger's right-hand man for the last 20 years, he says, an example of the holy response that rejects the victim mentality is St. Maria Goretti, who was murdered during an attempted rape. During the attack, she defended her purity and prayed for her attacker, Alessandro, that he would not commit this mortal sin and grave offense to God. After years in prison, Alessandro finally converted through her intercession by his own words. Upon eventual release from prison, he entered a Capuchin monastery to live a life of penance and even stood with her family during her canonization ceremony in Rome itself. This provides the key for us to unlocking true freedom. So the story from the life of a modern day saint highlights the importance of the subjective response along the trauma violence continuum. And it, yeah, that's a powerful story. <laughs> she she yeah, was offering just... her suffering for her attacker at the moment. And look at, there was a delay effect, but he came to Jesus Christ and became a monk uh, a, a, few, a few years later. That's what happens when you offer your sufferings to God. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car, Jess Romero, Eddie Chavez, two retired Los Angeles law enforcement officers. The flagship verse for this show is Psalm 69, verse 2, and this applies to everybody. You don't have to be a first responder. The Bible says, God, come to my assistance Lord, make haste to help me. That verse right there is Jesus 911. Eddie, we're talking about redemptive suffering in relation to healing and deliverance. You have some comments to make. I just wanted to say how, how and it goes on here in the article about how powerful St. Maria Goretti is. I'm so happy that many of the young people from Confirmation, for example, are choosing Maria Goretti as their, as their saint. They understand just those that choose her understand the power in what she lived through. And that's what I want to continue to read here. The yeah, next paragraph. Pick, it up. pick it up from there. The, the story of the life of a modern saint highlights the importance of the subjective response along the trauma violence continuum. An experienced exorcist will tell you that St. Maria Goretti is a powerful intercessor, perhaps because many cases today involve sexual trauma and disorder. Her charisma, her charisma is not simply sexual purity, however, but also emblematic of a perfected response along the violence trauma continuum. She did not have a traumatic response to the bodily violence she suffered, but rather she chose to become another Christ. She chose to become another Christ. Wow. Like Christ, she suffered physical violence, but her objective offering for the soul of her attacker trumped her uh, subjective response to the event, the process, many uh, in the process, many graces were poured out. Just again, you know, we have this response to trauma in our lives. So how we handle that 
depends. It, it can have an effect on what eventually happens to us, whether it be good or bad, whether it be uh, uh, along the lines of, of, uh, of being a Christ-like person like Maria Goretti, or being attacked by demons because we had the opposite uh, response to Trump. So, it, so let's go on, right? Yeah, continue. Okay, St. Maria Goretti's life, therefore, reveals great value that suffering holds in the economy of salvation. She exemplifies the sanctified response to traumatic events and, and is a powerful intercessor for those who have suffered sexual trauma or abuse. As I wrote... Most Catholics are familiar with the phrase, offer it up, in response to some minor inconvenience. There is much wisdom and spiritual fruit. However, in this simple truism, uh, okay, so to, to be able to see the events of our lives in the light of their salvation potential is truly liberating. Resentment over past hurts will both blind you to the opportunity for reparation and, as a result, block the flow of grace and healing. Conversely, if you have suffered trauma in your life, God has not only allowed it to happen, but also handed you a powerful spiritual weapon. As St. Paul writes, where sin increased, grace overflowed all the more. That's Romans 5.20. To the extent of the depth of the wound, there is a corresponding potential for more grace. Well, hey, let, 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 yeah. let me just, let me just uh, make a comment. What you just shared right now, in, in the liber Christ theology of redemptive suffering, <clears throat> you and me know a person very well. This is a, there's a family member of mine who for many years blamed everything on everybody else. He was a, he was a victocrat. All the stuff that happens to me is everybody else's fault. My mom, my dad, my brothers, my friend. I, this person in my family, Eddie, at this, in the last couple of years, has totally matured and has told me all the things that have happened to me and continue to happen to me, it's all my fault, a hundred percent. And this family member has embraced the consequences of his actions, of his past sins. And he's at such peace right now in the midst of all his physical, uh, his physical illnesses. He's at such peace with daily mass, daily holy hour, praying full rosaries, praying the, the, the 15 promises of St. Bridget. He just lives such a peaceful, tranquil life now. Uh, and, and you know why? Because his family member told me, I didn't find peace until I really returned to the sacraments. Number two, I forgave everybody that I hated. And number three, I stopped blaming everybody and I took responsibility for the way my life, my life has ended uh, and I've taken full responsibility. He goes, I'm at total peace now and I understand that everything that's happened to me is my purgatory here on earth. And you know who I'm talking about, Eddie. Yeah, Jess, you know, uh, the person we're talking about, Jess, uh, is suffering greatly. I mean, you can't even... You can't even imagine what he's going through. No, and uh, no. Jess, I think this is going to be the perfect topic for your next book. And I'll be happy to help you write that. That's a beautiful <laughs> book that we should do. I'm serious. Right. right. You think, oh, yeah. You know, seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Eddie, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. I'm not kidding because I don't know anybody suffering more on planet Earth than this person. But let's yeah. pick it up, Eddie. Um, while vicarious suffering perfectly lines out with reality and revelation, demons reject it in their wills. 
The mantra of modern Satanism, for example, is do, close quote, do what thou wilt, close quote, which is a direct inversion of the surrender of Jesus who prayed, not my will, but yours be done in Luke twenty two forty two. So here, Dr. Dan is juxtaposing satanic theology with Christian theology. Satanism is about my will be done. Christian theology is about God's will be done. St. Paul further proclaims the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. 1 Corinthians 1.18 The word for message is logos, which means logic, reasoning, statement, expression of inward thought. Thus St. Paul even states in Colossians 1.24 I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. Close quote. And to the Romans, he says, quote, Romans 12, 1, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. So Dr. Dan is showing that in the New Testament, there's all kinds of uh, offer it up theology right in the New Testament that a lot of times as Catholics, Eddie, we forget this. We, we forget that this is something that it gives us an advantage. And what do I mean by that? I remember when the World Trade Center was bombed, you know, what, 20 some odd years ago. And Larry King brought in a Jewish rabbi. He brought in Billy Graham, Protestant evangelist and a Jewish rabbi. And he asked both of them, so why did this happen? Why does God allow this to happen? Why is there such suffering? 3,000 people incinerated instantly. Why, why, why? Both the Jewish rabbi said, I don't know. I don't know. Billy Graham says, I don't know. I don't know. As Catholics... We would have a response to that is that there are victim souls and God allows people to suffer on behalf of other people, uh, you know, and then also most people don't realize against the power of the Catholic Church. There was a lot of Catholic priests that were underground in the World Trade Center on the on the sidewalk, raising up their right hand, Eddie, and giving general absolution to the people that were jumping off the buildings and that were burning alive. Catholic priests were raising their hand and by the power of Jesus Christ, the high priest, they were giving general absolution. And can you imagine people's, 3,000 people's P.O. boxes changed instantly. When they closed their eyes and went into, slipped into death and they opened up their eyes in the next life, those that received the power of general absolution were in the presence of God. And they're saying, how did this happen? I was not even a believer. <laughs> I was not even a Catholic. All that was revealed to them. You know how you were saved? It's because a Catholic priest through the power of the priesthood, through the power of Jesus Christ, prayed for you and blessed your soul because in case of emergency like war, a Catholic priest can do that. Eddie, comments? Yes, this is, this is the beauty of our faith. This is what, where it makes... This is where it makes perfect sense, Jess. And when the only thing we should be looking at is, is the sacraments and the beauty of a priest that forgives our sins. Just listen, this, this thing that happens to these people that were they were jumping off the uh, Empire State Building or the uh, or, or the Twin Towers, I should say. Yeah, right. Just this the, the beauty of it is this. This is where it counts, Jess. You know what? If we go to the, if we go to purgatory, we know eventually that's going to end up in in glory. If we Amen. go to hell, there's no getting us out of it. This is where yep. it counts, Jess. Yep, yep. 
And uh, Eddie, it's funny when, when I was in the Holy Land last week, I had two Catholic <laughs> priests, and I told them, you know, I said, okay. Uh, if we start seeing rockets fired towards our direction in the hotel or in the bus, I said, Father, you know what you got to do? Both of them, they knew. They said, absolutely. We're going to raise our right hand over all of you, and we're going to give you general absolution. I said, yep, send us all to heaven. And so, I mean, I, I felt very secure. You know what I'm saying? With two Catholic priests on a bus, and both of them, were they were ready to fire away, so to speak, to raise their right hand. And give us general absolution. You know what general absolution is? It's a plenary indulgence. What's a plenary indulgence? It means read my lips. No purgatory. That's what it means. Jess Romero, I was in a state of grace. So if I would have got hit with a rocket on the bus, I would have went from Jerusalem, the streets of Jerusalem on a bus, into the hands of God in heaven. So I'm like, hey, not not a bad deal. Amen, Jess. That's, that's the beauty of having priests with you in a, in a, in a spot like you guys were in. To having a priest there, whether it be there or something in the parish or, or having him to dinner, and you're choking, and you know what? Things happen. <laughs> you can get absolution. God bless him. Right there at the, at the moment. So yeah. uh, we're talking about the theology of redemptive suffering here from the book. It's called Liber Crystal Method, a field manual for spiritual combat. Uh, it says here in the next paragraph, uh, well, no, we're going to go to a quick break. On the next segment, we're going to talk about St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, we call her Edith Stein. She was known. She was a Jewish convert and, and scholar who became a Carmelite nun. She was an unbeliever who saw uh, the rational arguments of the Catholic Church and became a believer and became a Carmelite nun. So we're going to look at her life in terms of redemptive suffering. In, in other words, don't think that God's picking on you. That's what Eddie and me are talking about. God's not picking on you. There's a reason why God allows you to suffer. Embrace it. Embrace the cross, unite it to Christ, yes, and offer it for for the in reparation for your sins and the sins of the world. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus nine one one. If this call is not an emergency. Dial 888-526-2151. God, come to our assistance. Lord, make haste to help us. Psalm 69, verse 2. That's a good verse to have on your lips throughout the day. Eddie, we're talking about redemptive suffering here. You had, you had some comments that you were making before the break. Yes, I'm just, I'm just thinking how beautiful it is to be able to go to a story like like the family member we were talking about who is having an ending that is worth being another Christ. So we're suffering as Christ did. That's a, that's the uh, that's the goal, Jess. The goal for Catholics, and it should be for Christians, is that we attain holiness in our older life, and um, and 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 it comes together at the end, Jess. That's the beauty of it. Is is a good ending. Yes, uh, Saint Maximilian Kolbe said that there are three stages in life. Uh, he says, uh, you know, obviously, you know, childhood. He calls those the years of formation. Mid, uh, when you're a young adult, middle ages, he calls that the apostolate, whatever you do, vo- your vocation, your apostolate. And then when you get older, he says, we enter into the ministry of suffering. There's a, At a certain age, you're going to enter into the ministry of suffering. You can curse God and die like that and go to hell, 
or you can just wrap yourself around the cross and offer every little pain and suffering throughout the day for your marriage, for your sins, for, for your spouse's sins, for your children, for your grandchildren, that God would give them the grace of conversion, the grace of holiness. And so, and, and in reparation for the sins of our church, there's a lot of people to pray for in our church. We have a lot of bad bishops and cardinals right now. Let's just be honest. And, and priests. I mean, that's not a scandalous statement. That's a statement of fact. And so uh, we, we have a lot to atone for. So if God has called you to that ministry, uh, embrace it and offer it up. Eddie, you want to take the next paragraph where it talks about uh, Edith Stein? It says, this, it says, another saint who understood the value of suffering and the logic of the cross uh, is, is what St. Teresa Benedicta of the cross, that's, we know her as Edith Stein, a Jewish convert and scholar who became a Carmelite nun. She was killed by the Nazis in the Auschwitz concentration camp. As she was being led away with her sister, she offered herself as an oblation for the Jewish people saying, come Rosa, we are going for our people. Wow. She fulfilled what she had written about at Carmel. When uh, someone desires to suffer, she wrote, it is not merely a pious remember, reminder of the suffering of the, of the Lord. Voluntary expiatory suffering is what truly, sorry, I missed it up here. Okay. Uh, voluntary expiatory suffering is what truly and really unites one to the Lord intimately. Wow. This is because, she said, Christ is is he, Christ the head affects expiation in those in these members of his mystical body who put themselves, body and soul, at his disposal for carrying out his work of salvation. Whether the offering will uh, be great or small, you become all intimately, intimately united to Christ and continue his salvific work. So just the unity that we're talking about here uh, puts us in God's camp. We're, we're, we're completing his work if we do it properly. Yeah, Eddie, and this is something that Protestants don't understand. There's an entire movement within evangelical Protestantism called the health and wealth gospels, the prosperity gospels, name it and claim it. Uh, and this is something that's very prevalent in the TBN channel, which is a very, it has a wide, uh, a wide, a large audience. It has a wide range around the world. And this, to be on the TBN channel, that's the gospel that you have to promote. That God wants everybody to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's just not true. I'm going to have to say it uh, about our Protestant separated brothers. That's heresy. That's complete heresy. Uh <clears throat> If you think God doesn't want us to suffer, look what happened to his son, okay? Suffering is a way of, of, of again, uh, realizing, we, we call that um, self-detachment in Catholic theology. Suffering makes you realize how mortal you are. It makes you realize how much we need God. As Father Philip Scott used to say, Eddie, remember him, he used to say, we need God more than we need our next breath of air. I never, yep. I'll never forget that statement. He used to say, all the time, yeah. we need God more than we need our next breath of air. And when you're suffering, it reminds you, man, I am, I'm not, I'm not some, you know, T-600 Terminator Zyborg. I'm a frail human being that has a lot of limitations and weaknesses. And boy, oh boy, do I need God more than my next breath. The next paragraph, Dan writes, by redemptive suffering, then... We mean the vicarious offering up of one's hardships, interior or exterior, so as to make satisfaction for sins. This means either the voluntary offerings of one's sufferings in reparation for one's own sin or for the sins of others. All sin offends God 
and our voluntary suffering makes satisfaction for the temporal punishment due to sin, helping to restore union with God. In other words, less time in purgatory, people. That's what it means. This means adapting a penitential posture towards the Lord and recognizing that sins of thought, word, and deed offend God. This includes prayers of reparation for the offenses against the sacred heart, sacrilegious and blasphemies committed against the Holy Eucharist, and the indifference of souls towards the merciful hearts of Jesus and Mary. Go ahead, Eddie. Take the next paragraph. It says, Offering your suffering for your past helps uh, unfetter the demon's chains and causes you to become more like Christ. This is the first stone to reach for when confronting Goliath. Recall from the discussion above how uh, the early Christian writers saw the cross as the sword which slayed the demon Goliath. In our experience, souls progress towards liberation to the extent of their ability to offer their sufferings, to fill up what is lacking in Christ's sufferings by becoming a living sacrifice through prayer and reparation. Redemptive suffering uh, helps move the trauma from the subjective to the objective reality of Christ's cross and its merits. Let me mention something, and I want your comment as well. There's a difference. Some people that are diabolically afflicted, many of them, if not most of them, uh, have incurred diabolical affliction as a result of their own human sinful actions. Period. It's not like God's picking on them. Most people aren't diabolically afflicted because they're holy, pious virgins like uh, Emily Rose. Emily, that, that, that's a rare case where God allows possession of a holy person uh, in a to, to make reparation for the sins of a country, for the sins of the priests of Germany in that instance. And so that's very rare. Most people are diabolically afflicted because of their own unconfessed, unrepentant mortal sins over and over again. And, and so uh, the, uh, the healing process, it's, 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 it's again, it's, if you get this word and you're wrapped in your mind, you'll understand it's spade work. It's how easy it is to grow weeds. Don't tend your garden at all. You know, let the rains come. Uh, you know, don't till the soil. Have nothing to do with the garden. And watch how fast, fast weeds come out. How hard is it to get them out? You'll spend a whole weekend, a Saturday and a Sunday on your knees, uh, pulling them out one at a time. It's the same thing with diabolical affliction. It's easy for these weeds to grow in the soul. You're just sinning and venial sin, mortal sin, venial sin, mortal sin, venial sin, over and over and over. Then all of a sudden you scream, you run to a parish, help, help, I need Father so-and-so to pray for me. And Father so-and-so, this is not, he's not a witch doctor. This is not white magic. He's going to tell you what you don't want to hear, okay? You got to return to a, a life of purity and you got to stop sleeping around with your boyfriend. You got to stop masturbating. What? I got to do all that? You mean, you mean you just can't lay hands on me and make it go away? No, no, no. You have to cooperate with my prayers by your behavior has to change. Or you nullify the effect of my prayers. Eddie, that's what a lot of people don't get in the Catholic Church. Yes, one of the things I, I never realized is that when you're suffering so much, uh, why not offer it up for others? I mean, you're going to suffer anyway. We're getting old. We have yeah. to know the end is near. And if yeah. you try to get out of it, um, it just doesn't go along with Catholic theology. So why not offer it up? Why not be good with it? 
because um, that's what God wants. You become another Christ when that happens, Jess. Yes. That's the yes. beauty of this. And, and, and for us to become another Christ, Jess, that's, um, that's the best end that we can have, that you and I can have to our life. That's, that, um, you know. I call, that, I call that ending the race strong. That's right. Or as, or as right. Bishop Strickland says, you know, Bishop Strickland says, I'm Jesus strong. <laughs> Bishop. Amen. Amen yeah. to that. Eddie, do the ra- last paragraph and we'll wrap it up. Uh, it says, Rogers also taught to his rangers, don't use your musket if you can kill them with your hatchet. In other words, do it quietly and conserve your ammo. Redemptive suffering is quiet but effective, uh, is quiet but effective way to engage an enemy who has gotten inside your perimeter. Simply stated, the demon has access to the faculty of the memory, and the more one uh, ruminates in a, in a memory apart from Christ, the more the demon can begin to affect the memory. Conversely, when you offer your sufferings in reparation for the sins of, of a relative whose soul is most in danger, or for the person who has abused you or hurt you deeply, or for the purification for the church, your parish priest, local bishop, etc., the diabolic uh, grasp begins to loosen. The demon cannot stand beneath the weight of a soul united to Christ in such a manner. When he sees that a hatchet, he quickly retreats. Wow, good stuff. Good That's stuff, it, Jess. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. This is no. This is a powerful section, Eddie, and it's just something that uh, we as Catholics we need to hear this over and over again. The value of redemptive suffering. Uh, there's a quote I think Saint Thomas Aquinas says that one of the things that uh, angels angels envy human beings in one regard or two two regards that we can receive holy communion and they can't and that we can suffer uh and they can't because we have a body they don't so suffering and receiving holy communion really is it's the envy of angels uh, the saints have told us eddie on the next uh, next time we meet next monday we're going to talk about psychological compatibility that's the word that father ripperger has come up with kyle clement and it's something that really defines the way a demon attacks the memory and the imagination so that'll be good stuff for next monday eddie any any final comments there's so many things that we should realize. Uh, this is one of them. We have to attach our sufferings to the passion of Christ. That's what we need to do. That we'll talk about that next week. Absolutely. Uh, and remember, tomorrow's uh, a day where the U.S. bishops and the bishops from the Holy Land have called for a day of prayer and fasting. That's tomorrow, October seventeenth, Tuesday. So let's get on board with it. Uh, this is our jihad. This is the way we wage holy war through prayer and fasting. These are the weapons that God has given us through Holy Mother Church. This is how we respond to the evil of jihadism. Well, that's a wrap. We're going to park our cars. We're going to, we're, we're, we're pulling into the station. We're gassing them up for the next shift. And uh, yeah, we're 10-7. We're EOW end of watch. We are out. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics. Stick around. You don't want to miss what's coming up next with Gary and his team. Coming to you with high-level apologetics. As for us, we'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. And viva Cristo Rey.